Welcome everyone to Dr. John Bedker's Leadership Podcast, the podcast focused on leadership. The episode will begin shortly. Thank you so much for tuning in. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome everyone. Happy 4th of July. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Dr. John Bedker Leadership Podcast. I am your host, John Bedker. So great to have you uh, tune in and listen. I am so grateful and so thankful. Um, I always appreciate saying thanks and I sincerely mean it, mean it from the bottom of my heart. Well, as I said, this is the 4th of July edition, 2023, um, of uh, the podcast. And uh, it's a time of celebration, of fun, maybe some barbecues, some hamburgers, some hot dogs. Um, for those of you that are listeners from outside of the United States, and I'm, uh, again, I'm grateful and thankful. I know we have many of you as well. Um, the 4th of July in the United States is the day that, again, we celebrate, really commemorate, the adoption of the Declaration of Independence which was signed back in 1776. Lots of reasons for that. Obviously, we wanted to declare our independence from Great Britain. But there were a number of other freedoms that uh, these new Americans were seeking. And one of those was to avoid um, and to leave the religious uh, oppression that they had experienced in their homelands. So we're going to talk about that a little bit today in the context, of course, of leadership. But it is a time um, on this 4th of July, again, to celebrate and also to reflect on these freedoms. So let's begin and let's remember, first of all, what these first freedoms as a result of our Declaration of Independence back in 1776 were. The first freedoms First and foremost, the freedom of religion, which is really what we're going to talk about and focus on today. But notice, it's not anything but intentional that this is mentioned first. Freedom of religion. Next, freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, the freedom of the press, and freedom to petition. Those are the first freedoms. In the Bill of Rights, that Right to religious freedom, as I mentioned, is the very first listed. And it is, as I've said, intentional. Wanted to be sure in this Bill of Rights that we in this new nation, the United States of America, had a prohibition on the establishment of a state religion. Legal terms, this is called our Establishment Clause. And second, to worship or not, either way, to worship or not, according to one's own religious beliefs. This is what we call the free exercise clause. Religious expression and exercise without state subsidy or preference. Say that again, it's a lot of words here. Religious expression, and exercise without state subsidy or preference of one religion, any religion really, over another. This allows each of these new Americans to have their own sense of ideology, 
of religion. So let's get right to one of these founders, uh, the third president of the United States, Thomas Jefferson. I live in the state of Virginia. Thomas Jefferson is quite a name in uh, history uh, in Virginia. He was our third pre president. He has only three accomplishments. I think this is important to mention up front. He's only three accomplishments on his tombstone. They are first. He is the author of the Declaration of Independence. This holiday we are now celebrating, the 4th of July. He's the founder of the University of Virginia. And third, he is the author of, I'm quoting, the Virginia Act for Establishing Religious Freedom. He did that back in 1786. But of all the things that Thomas Jefferson contributed to America, um, certainly the Bill of Rights we've already talked about, but only three things on his tombstone. One of those was about the establishment of an act for religious freedom. Now, Jefferson's commitment of free exercise of religion was exemplified when he was president. There was a state dinner at the White House. It was in honor of a Tunisian envoy. The gentleman's name was Sidi Solomon Meli Meli. The president informed the guests that they would not be having dinner until at sunset in observance of the holy month of Ramadan. Now, this was an accommodation of the Tunisian envoy, but nonetheless, Thomas Jefferson used this as an opportunity to showcase how he was committed to religious freedom. He had a belief, an understanding. This is the leader, the president of the United States, that any infraction on the religious freedom of one would threaten the religious freedom of all. So it wasn't a Christian belief. It was any religious belief. Religious freedom affirms human dignity and rights. Now, from a leadership point of view, we want to capture that. We really want that to be part of who we are. Recognizing and affirming others' human dignity and rights. We want to make sure that these are protected. So we don't want one person or one group of people trying to have religious beliefs that they say others must adhere to. We certainly don't want them to be coerced, suppressed, or discriminated against in any way. We want that freedom of religion. Again, think of leadership. What does the leader do? He needs to be clear about recognizing and affirming this human dignity and the rights of all that they serve. So that's important leadership point. Why? Using religion as the example, it really demonstrates and reinforces a leadership concept rather than diminishing. It talks about this idea of human rights. 
and the overarching dignity and rights of all persons. And he did this at a time when the birth of this new nation was just occurring. For people that had often left religious oppression in their former land. And he wanted to be sure from the get-go that religious persecution was not part of the American fabric. Okay, so that's a little bit of the intro to what we're going to talk about today. I'm going to get to a specific and contemporary case, but I think it's important to not just give the point of view. As you know, I like to corroborate. I like to give some analytics. So let's take a little bit of a look at some of the, the data. There's a whole bunch of it, um, and I'm going, going to mention a, a small amount, but I do think it is important to put some, some numbers to what we're talking about. There is a, uh, a book that's actually coming out shortly uh, called Beyond Doubt, The Secularization of Society. It's by a couple of uh, sociologists, Isabella Castlestrand, Phil Zuckerman, and Ryan Cragen. They talk about uh, how our world is changing and, and how religion and religious practices are changing in our country. So what they say is that in the United States, somewhere between 6,000 and 10,000 churches are closing down every year. Now, a lot of these are repurposed for other things, certainly not religious things. Could be apartments, laundries. Uh, there are even things like laser tag arenas and skate parks. No kidding. True. Some are just simply demolished. What is important, though, is this decline between 6,000 and 10,000 churches closing down now every year. Well, the Wall Street Journal and uh, the NORC, uh, that's a national organization on religion at the University of Chicago, uh, surveyed about 1,000 American adults about the importance of different values to Americans including in this the importance of religion. In 2023, this year, only 39% of the people responding to this survey said religion was very important to them. Now, compare that number with 62% who said that in 1998. Quite a reduction. All right. Um, when we go on to think about the people who say, I don't believe in a religious faith, uh, only a very small number of Americans say they don't believe in God at all. And while the minority has grown, it's still relatively small. But think about this. This is that NORC data again. Atheists only made up 2% of the population from 1988 to 2012. But by 2021, atheists now self-identified 7% of the time. In 1988, 17% of Americans said they never attended religious services. In 2021, 
that number was 31%. Wow, these numbers are quite significant and quite substantial. And it's true, uh, whether it's the local church, the temple, or a mosque, it's also true about our trust in religious leaders. Now keep in mind one of those key leadership core competencies, trust, I've talked about before, quickly recap, what's it based on, what's it built upon, and it's simply trustworthy behavior. People will trust you as a leader if you exhibit and practice regularly trustworthy behavior. Okay, so a little bit of uh, data uh, to uh, corroborate that this problem is there. It's documented. Lots of scholars are doing work. And what we're finding out is that more and more are identifying as having no faith and fewer and fewer are filling pews in churches. So that's the short and simple um, data review. Okay, so let's go on. Let's talk about the real issue currently. As I said, we're going to talk about a contemporary issue. And the issue we're going to talk about is the Southern Baptist Church in the United States. They recently had an annual meeting. Delegates at this convention, this annual convention, voted overwhelmingly to finalize the ouster of one of its largest churches, a church called Saddleback, and a smaller church in Kentucky, despite the impassioned appeals from their leaders. And I'm, I'm taking this piece from a New York Times article by Ruth Graham and Elizabeth Diaz. It's uh, from June 14th. They've really done some nice work. The headline, though, Southern Baptists vote to keep out churches with female pastors. And again, we think about leadership. We think about the worth and dignity and recognizing it of all. And now we see the Southern Baptists following a similar institutional leadership failure to that of a previous podcast I've done on the Catholic Church. And many of you uh, listened to that two-part series. I know the quick recap is uh, a church that calls itself universal. That's literally what the word Catholic means, universal, is really now run, led, using the term loosely, by an all-male, right-wing, political organization, an organization called the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops. Well, now we see the Southern Baptists here uh, doing a similar thing, finalizing the expulsion of Southern Baptist churches whose pastors are female. So we talked about these two organizations. There's actually five churches. Three of them chose not to oppose 
their expulsion. The other two did, um, but it is a trend. So these two that did oppose it made, as we mentioned, impassioned appeals, uh, but they were resoundingly rejected. More than 10,000 delegates were at this convention, more than 10,000. And the results that were announced were not even close. More than 90% of the delegates voted in favor of the expulsion of Fern Creek and some 88% voted for the expulsion of Saddleback. So uh, incredible numbers, uh, incredible uh, N, if you will, number uh, of uh, respondents, delegates voting. So what we're seeing here is religious freedom, the right to practice a religion, one of these founding freedoms that we're celebrating here on this 4th of July really is in question. So what happens? Well, we have a couple of things going on. Most of these Southern Baptist churches in the South often have women as pastors. If not the pastor of the church, a pastor of one of its divisions, child, elder care, school care, uh, other types of leadership within these Southern Baptist churches. And what these people, largely males, are saying, and largely white, I might add, uh, are saying is we cannot allow women in positions of leadership in the Southern Baptist Church. So one of the former leaders of these churches, a Mr. Warren, who has some fame himself, uh, noted that Billy Graham had once said, this is a speech he gave at the convention, Billy Graham had once said that his daughter Anne was, quote, the best preacher, end quote, in the Graham family. That's Billy Graham's daughter uh, that he's uh, quoting. So there was a lot of comment and appeal made, but what happened was the other side, this overwhelming majority, nine out of 10 people there. Uh, let me quote from just one, uh, a gentleman by the name of Mike Law, who is a Virginia pastor. He proposed amending the Southern Baptist Constitution to further restrict women's roles by stating that a church can be Southern Baptist only if it does not, and I'm quoting now, affirm, appoint, or employ a woman as a pastor of any kind, end quote. So, hardly universal, as the Catholic challenge that I've mentioned earlier, but a recurring theme. And what does that get us to? Why are we doing this? Well, one, there is a Christian nationalism movement, sadly linked to politics. There is a, also a white nationalist movement, also linked to politics. And oftentimes these two overlap. Similar people, similar beliefs. So what's happening with the 
fewer people attending church is they're saying, I don't want that. That is not the religion that I choose to practice. Also, other people are saying right-wing politics has no place in my faith. Now, I think I made this point pretty resoundingly clear in the case of the Catholic Church's institutional leadership failure, but now we're seeing it repeat currently as we approach this 4th of July weekend and declaring our independence and our first freedoms, of which the top one is freedom of religion. And yet we're seeing people say, no, we don't want that. In fact, in the Southern Baptist case, we're going to go so far as to say what we want to do is put it as a matter of record and rule in our Constitution that no woman can have a leadership pastor role of any kind in the Southern Baptist faith. Well, this really becomes a leadership problem because this overwhelming majority, you want to represent the will of the majority in some cases, and I am arguing in this case, is unfortunately absolutely wrong. It neither represents the worth, the dignity, or the values of women and women to contribute in their faith community and certainly not to have a role of leadership in their faith community. And I think that it's time, particularly on this 4th of July, to stand up and say, freedom of religion needs to be practiced by all leaders, including faith leaders. What we need to do is to say, leadership, as I always say, is about doing the right thing. And denying women's dignity, worth, and rights to a position of leadership, which should be guaranteed as our first and most important freedom as we declared our independence, needs to be affirmed. Okay, so what happens? Well, it turns out that we need to think about a number of things. We're going to have to start questioning. We're starting to ask questions. Now, I did this in a series as well about this call for a new civil rights movement. And I know many of you have listened to that series of my podcasts as well. But I think it's important here to think about that. What is right? What is civilly right? What's humanly right? What is humanely right? Is it to deny women the right to lead? And I am going to argue, no. They should have 
every right to make their contribution to their faith in a way that best meets the need of their congregation. This idea that somehow scripture prevents it, which is basically their argument, really, really doesn't work. A number of times in the Bible, people want to go and find that sentence that sort of answers the mail for them, relying upon that sentence to be a cure-all for their position. Well, unfortunately, the Bible's a big book. There'd be another sentence that might make a reference, frankly, in the opposite. There might be references to people, in this case, women in the Bible. Certainly anyone that has seen the original painting of the Last Supper, a very important religious painting, sees a woman at the side of Jesus. So this idea that women should be not included and that there is scripture to support the position may very well be able to find a sentence that talks about that. But there are so many more that do the opposite. And it is important for us as leaders to say, let's do the right thing. And we should know today in 2023, and certainly on our Declaration of Independence, that the freedom of religion should be not only a human and civil right, but it should be a God-given right. So, don't hesitate to stand up and to speak out. I want to wish everyone a very, very happy 4th of July. Celebrate, enjoy, particularly those you care about and those you love, and always show that worth and dignity to everyone. Take care, everyone. Talk soon. Thank you for tuning in to Dr. John Bedker's Leadership Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please tell your friends, and of course, please follow our podcast and subscribe. Thank you again for tuning in.